awesome. Today is September 30th, 2019. I am Oz, and I am here with Michael, the taciturn troll mage who just ended the Without a Net Shadowrun campaign. Um, we're going to do a, a one-on-one interview today, and it is going to involve uh, peeking behind the veil, getting some ideas of how Michael was built mechanically, uh, how the progression happened, and then some other questions about char- character motivation, about uh, probably some Call of Cthulhu stuff, because that's always interesting. We like looking forward, and we'll see where this goes. So, I'm already talking a lot. Hello, Michael. How are you? I am doing well, Oz. How are you doing? I mean, obviously, you're saying you're talking a lot, but I'm going to pick on you. All right. All right. That's fine. Uh, I am doing great. Uh, I am uh, eternally happy that pretty much I think actually, yeah, everybody has agreed to do this, which is awesome. Uh, this is something that has uh, happened in other podcasts. Occasionally, you'll get somebody who does an interview with the GM or with the players. And I like this kind of I call it community outreach. So it's super awesome that you're doing it. Thank you again. Uh, yeah, it's uh, actually I'll be honest, it's, I'm honored by it because uh, when I was originally touched on to partake in this project. God, it doesn't even feel like two years ago, but it was. Um, I was shocked. I didn't know that it would do what had happened today and get such a a wonderful community out of it. Uh, Yeah, no kidding. So you you first got chosen. You played in the Shadow Walking games with BAMS, right? Yes, I did. I believe I was in his second group. Okay. Uh, what did you play when you were in that game? Uh, well, okay. So, um, little disclaimer here, uh, as my voice and my laugh, Bams heard that and said, you pretty much don't have a choice. You're a troll. And I was <laughs> like, uh, sure. Okay. I can do that. Um, in that, well, in the shadow walking though, I was actually a street samurai. Okay. And so for this one, you chose to be a mage. Yes. Um, Actually, uh, my first choice in doing this was an adept. An adept. I see. First choice. But, um, conversations between myself and other cast members, uh, Boz notably, um, Boz had a really solid idea as to what, uh, he wanted to do. And said, Hey, I got this really, like, I want to try this and I want to do that. And he just laid it all out and he asked me if I wouldn't mind sharing the spotlight as an adept or if I'd be willing to change my job up. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. That's not a problem at all. And I just looked through the book and I was like, we got one of those, one of those, one of those, one of those. We don't have a mage. I'm going to go mage. Okay. Awesome. So where did you, I guess, where did you, you you chose the mage first, and then you built the personality of Michael based off of that. You built on that. So, what was your starting point for that? Um, the the original, I guess, concept for Michael. Um, I'm sure people who've you know gamed before have that concept of doing the brainstorming shot effect on a piece of paper, just jotting down notes, figuring out what you wanted to do. Uh, this one was rather unique in the fact that we wanted to show a tra- a, a trip, if you will. We mm. wanted to, to showcase the journey from not in the shadows being and being legitimate 
all the way out through to here you are, you're a shadow runner. Congratulations. Um, taking that into effect, uh, I was like, okay, well, if I'm a mage and I'm a, a, a metahuman troll, you know, those are, those are, those are valuable. They can call those pretty much property anywhere you go. Any corporation, <laughs> they're going to look at you like, Hey, yeah, we'll take that. Right. We'll, we'll work with that. And I just took that to a, to another step, a, a different step. I didn't realize until I'd say three episodes in that Michael is legitimately purchased from his father by this corporation. Mm. So what, uh, what brought you to that realization? Um, I think it was just the interaction between the cast and we were all talking about how, um, like Boz got called in from the, the, the most desolate location she can to try to, to deal with this. RC was constantly coming in and out, in and out, going back home to mama, as it turned out and, and coming back. Um, one of our original cast members, Val, was getting off work and going and doing uh, the uh, virtual games. But Michael wasn't really allowed to leave the compound. He couldn't leave the lab or the work area. What would make it so that he was not allowed to leave the facility itself? That's kind of what, and it kind of fed on to the well, he's a unique commodity. He's a awakened metahuman that other corporations, if they see, how many Shadowrun stigmas have you ever heard of with the game-wise? Hey, we need to reappropriate a person and bring them into our fold. True. And I kind of went that route uh, because when we were doing the the character generation, I started going through a lot of the 1980s Shadowrun like books that were people had published and, and read about it just brought a lot of streaming back. So I just figured that would be a, a good unique twist that I could end up bringing uh, into the game. Nice. I think it worked well. Well, thank you. And so as the whole game went on, uh, Michael's personality changed uh, from kind of that that innocent yes I'm property but I don't realize it to a hardened shadow runner who uh was probably uh the the least uh or the most morally flexible of the team I'd say so uh what was your decision on on making that change and when did you kind of figure that out uh so there was like I had mentioned it's all about the journey mm-hmm. I, I needed a catalyst I needed a a reason for Michael to change. Um, yeah, I started him off as that sweet innocence, naivete, just not understanding, being completely amazed, almost like what a toddler would be with the world today. And then as that toddler slowly grows up into the teenage and the adult, you get hit with things like taxes, a job. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> well, that same kind of thing happened with Michael or had to happen with Michael. Um, the, I, I was one of the unique positions in the game and in the group because I had to take a six month hiatus for work reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I still kept in contact or tried to keep in contact with all of the group as much as I could just to keep track of following what was going on and, and who was doing what and how they were doing. And I was thinking, you know, when Michael comes back, he's going to, he's not going to have been around these guys. He's not going to have the, all of the people that he considered legitimate friends and family. They're going to be splintered a little bit. So what is that going to change with Mike? How are things going to get different for Mike? And that's where, I mean, when you're floating out in the middle of the ocean, you got nothing but time to think and figure out what's going to end up happening and reasons beings. So uh, that's where I decided, hey, you know, when Mike comes back, he's not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Gonna, his appearance is going to be different. He now has that the the distinguishing feature on his face and the scratch mark. He's a little more gruff. Uh, as you can tell, he's a, addicted to cigars and alcohol. <laughs> and uh, he's not afraid to pull that trigger mm-hmm. or throw that lightning bolt. So uh, what kind of cigars does Michael smoke? Anything that he can get his hands on. Oh, <laughs> you know, I would say uh, it's right now. It's the normal tobacco ones. They're not drug laced or anything to that nature, but um, anything that he can legitimately get his hands on, he'll if it's a cigar, he'll try it. All right, that sounds uh, that sounds about right. I was gonna say it's. I th- think he seems more like a uh, like a Gloria Cubana kind of guy, but uh, maybe it was more of a Monte Cristo or. Dime store cigars. So he'd prefer something other than dime stores, right? <laughs> I mean, you guys made the money for it, right? And Michael didn't spend a whole lot of money. I mean, how much he had? Huh? How uh, how much did he have at the end? Um, at the end, he had just over one hundred and fifty thousand yen. Wow. And then that's not. I mean, not taking into consideration that for the month he'd end up having to pay the dependent cost, but. That was a whole other deal. Mm. So dependent cost. What was the dependent cost? Uh, well, he had three dependents. So, I mean, it would it was always going to roll up to BAMPs to, for him to let me know just how much I actually had to deduct and remove from my uh, actual allotment. Oh, so what you're saying is you, you left it up to the GM and the GM lays out and actually didn't follow up on that. Uh, no, he actually, he hit me once or twice with a oh, okay. 10 to 20,000 dependent cost there. All right. Dang. So, yeah, well, it was like, for, for instance, uh, in my big return reveal, if you will, where I almost shot RC, um, <laughs> or I should say RC almost shot me, mm-hmm. I was just moving into the location. So I had to buy the house. I had to get the upgrade because I was... I mean, my original lifestyle was negligible. I was a slave. Mm-hmm. And now I'm no longer that. I, I, was, I was up to middle class, I believe. Okay. Look. Yeah, I'm a regular lifestyle, so. Okay. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack a bit because you were saying that you had to uh, go for about six months for work. So um, was, it, was it difficult for you being away for that long? Um, it was, I mean, yes and no, it's, uh, it's part of my job. It's something Mm -hmm. that I've, I've been doing for God, 22 years now. Um, 
And this was just the latest in a, a, a string of having to get underways. Uh, the lack of communication and the itch to sit there and play. Yes, that was killing me. <laughs> that was like, <laughs> Oh my God, what is going on? What are they doing? And then I'd get every now and again, I'd, when it, we'd get to a, a, a port where I could download the, the most recent cast, the most recent release, I'd be sitting there listening to it. And then I'd get my coworks in coworkers and they'd start coming in knocking on my door. They would keep me listening to it. So they'd want to listen to it. And I'd be, I'd, I'd be screaming. I had my boss walk in my office asking me if I was okay because I was screaming at the computer for choices that were made. <laughs> what were you doing? Why were you thinking? And it was just, it was, it was nuts. It drove, it, it drove some of my coworkers nuts, but it drove me more nuts because I wasn't there. And I know, I know for a fact there was so much more that was going on behind the scenes. Okay. You guys don't get it. You get the little snippets. Maybe if you're Patreon, you get the raw file. But when the group actually gets together, we go full ham on everything that's going on. Awesome. So uh, how did it feel getting back into the swing of things once you got back? It was rough. It was rough. I am not going to lie. I almost thought that I wouldn't be welcome, that I wouldn't be welcome back. Um, being gone for six months has a, a, a way to almost alienate everything and everybody and what's going on. And I was afraid of being able to keep up with the story. I was afraid that the relationships that I had worked to develop with the other cast members, I was worried that that would have fallen apart that it was um, that I basically show up for the, the day one and then, you know, the day one after I get back and then be asked to not come back because it just didn't jive anymore. Yeah. But uh, that didn't happen, did it? No. Um, I'm, I'm truly grateful that it did not happen uh, like that at all. It was just like I said, my own worries about it. All right. So, was was there a side of Michael that uh, you wanted to explore, but we didn't have the time or the inc- or the uh, the ability to? Um, I think his exploration into the magic, um, actually learning the spells. Uh, for those of you who were able to hear the Chicago episode, you picked up that I had actually gained a mentor um, and an instructor, if you will, in the magical arts. I think him learning more of the magic and learning more uh, aspects there of it, of what he's capable of doing, um, kind of fueled some of the wonder of Michael. Um, that's something that he didn't let on to a lot of other people. He was fascinated with the magical and learning all of the new Basically, just the new. You know, if it was new or if it was a new experience, he'd be interested in trying to do it. But he curbed a lot of that because, you know, too many people just okay, yeah, that's nice. Kind of like mm-hmm. when you walk up to a nerd or a or a techie and they start going all high and right into Star Wars. When you're Star Trek, you're like, yeah, that's nice. Go away. You know, <laughs> that, that that was the constant feeling that I had as Michael. Um, 
playing a part, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what would fit in and where. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the opportunity would have been there if I would have spoken up a little bit more or reached out to BAMS to try to do a private one-on-one thing. I just, I never got the chance to. Mm-hmm. Mostly <laughs> because of my end, uh, work is a pain in the butt. Yeah, work is a pain in the butt. Absolutely. Yeah, I was uh, on on the topic of of downtime and solo sessions. I was really bummed that uh, you didn't get more of that of that uh, chance. And mostly, it is because of work. But I think that I would have liked to see a lot of this explored as well. Yeah, it would have been a thing. It would have been. So you said that when you were underway, there were a lot of decisions that people were making that you hated, or you were yelling at the at the monitor, so to speak. So, what were some of those that uh, you were not a fan of? Um, Mary Sue getting involved with the gang. Mm-hmm. That was one. Um, the implementation of tr- of Chuck. Jumping out a grenade, I was like, "What the hell are you doing? Why are you still alive? What happened?" And I realizing then later on that it was part of the story, part of the background of why he was the way he was. Um, the whole train heist. <laughs> uh, I will just leave it at that. The whole train heist. Not the beginning, not the middle, not the end, just the whole thing. I was yelling at the TV or at my monitor, like, what are you, why, why are you doing that? And it was just, uh, it was, it was, I mean, it was part and parcel of laughing at the whole situation that has become our without a net podcast. Yeah. So what were, what were some of your, your favorite moments that you've you've heard or you you have participated in. Um, favorite moments that I heard or that I was participating in. Uh, let's see the from the initial one of the first ones. Favorite ones was uh, something that I I, I I it's almost like a regret, if you will, mm-hmm. in the very beginning in the prologue where we're getting out of paradynamics there was the uh the whole fight with uh, the vampire mm-hmm. and rc coming in and lighting it up like i mean lighting it up bams's reaction to that of well shit boss <laughs> boss literally taking its head and throwing it in a cupboard of all places a cupboard um, that was a, a favorite part of mine. Um, I really wish that Michael would have ripped the electrical part out and just thrown it in the water, but I let Boz talk me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, that was one of my favorite parts. The, uh, the introduction of Maggie. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed the ending part of that run and the, the near fatal glitch that caused RC to have a permanent back issue. Oh my God. Yes. That feeding into it. That was amazing. Um, my, the introduction, the introduction of the doctor that Bamps had that wanted to convert everybody away from being a human. Oh, Dr. Good. Yep. Dr. Yeah. Good. I, I loved meeting him and the, the, 
differences in the interactions with that. Um, the what other moments are really sent, the, the implementation of the bazooka mm-hmm. and the, the the realization that somebody in our party always needed to have one, as well as ammo thereof, <laughs> because that'll, that'll that'll take care of most problems. It does. Um, I will be honest, and this is a little guilty plug on my part. I really loved the Chicago episode. I loved doing that. That was a lot of fun for me. Good. Even though it was, uh, you know, basically conversations with myself and that, and then it was all patched together and made all one big lesson, one big session. I really liked being able to do that. That was uh, something that was completely different. So those, those were some of my favorite ones. All right. That's awesome. Uh, Character-wise, who is your favorite character? It can be one of the other cast. It can be an NPC. Let's let's hear it. Maybe one of each. Um, okay, NPC-wise, uh, sorry, y'all. Morgana. <laughs> um, I enjoyed her character. And everybody was all about against Morgana, against Morgana, against Morgana. What y'all don't realize is that Morgana is just looking out for herself. She's not being evil. If evil is taking care of yourself, then we all are. But she was legitimately trying to help everybody. She wasn't trying to hold anything over our heads. Never once did she say, oh, you'll do this or else. Mm-hmm. She always, always gave you an option. You could take the job. You could leave the job. We just never left the job. <laughs> we never did. <laughs> True. Um, ah, favorite PC. Um, you know... There's, there's two parts to that. There's two parts to that. RC, because of the comedy factor that he always brought into the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he always, he, he's always making the little jokey comments when we weren't reminding him not to pumpkin. And Mary Sue. Mary Sue, because she literally tried her best to stay true to the character. Regardless of what was going on, she tried to stay true to the character. She had her beliefs, and she ran with them. That she did. I will say that you uh, you seemed, or Michael seemed, very close to Valerie to the point that you know he kind of went on a revenge quest for her. So, what was what was that uh, that bond, and why do you think that was there? Um, Valerie did one thing for him. That nobody in the group ever did. Nobody in the group ever did. Nobody tried to. She unlocked his background. She unlocked the fact that he still had family, legitimate blood family that was still alive. Hmm. And he, she told him where it was. She told him where they were. Nobody else did. Nobody else. I don't know if they cared to try or not. But it was a matter of she did the digging. She found the documentation in the network servers and whatnot. And then she brought it all to light. Okay. She even, I guess, petitioned and rallied for what happened to him being unjust. And then, so that kind of alleviate, put a, uh, well, I got your back and I'm going to be your actual friend instead of you just being a corporate drone. Being isolated and, and brought up to, you know, the maintenance guy and or security guys. Well, now there's this a whole other person that randomly just did something nice for him for no reason. Didn't ask for nothing back. 
What? Okay. So that 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 was the whole reason there, and that was uh, the whole revenge quest thing. That's kind of funny that you bring that up because that was kind of a two part thing. Mm-hmm. It was revenge for Michael because due to the tampering in his lab, that thing originally got out, so it destroyed his lab. It destroyed the only place that he felt complete. It literally destroyed it, caused him to be on this road that he's on now. And then it hurt the one person that gave Michael part of his life back. So yeah, it was a revenge thing. Mm-hmm. So did uh, the Bamps ever tell you what was on that uh, that piece of headwear that you pulled out of Howard's head? Nope. Because uh, he didn't tell me either, so I was hoping nope. you had an I am, um I almost wish I knew, but uh, I, you know, the the only reason that I grabbed it, the only reason that I grabbed it that I knew it was there is because during at the towards the end of the run or whatnot that we were that particular run that we were doing where we actually involved Howard, um, you know, he had talked about having that head jack and, you know, storing all the data and all the information and whatnot that he, that he had. And one of the discussions that we had when we were in the bar and we first see Howard walk in, um, was nobody knew if he was on his own, if he did it on his own or if he was working with somebody because that would be part of payback. That would be part of, you know, getting retribution for what had happened. Everybody was scared of that. Michael didn't care. Michael said he was going to eliminate Howard. He said he was going to kill Howard one way or another. Mm -hmm. He said that. And, you know, he didn't go back on his word. He just followed through with it. Right. The shiny piece of metal there, Michael didn't care what was on it. Because as far as Michael's concerned, Howard was the reason he was in the boat that he's in. All right. So I know that when I was talking with Bams, he said that he had everybody come up with short-term, long-term, and player goals. So where did Howard fall on that, uh, on that spectrum, if at all? Um, <laughs> so uh, the, the goals were a ever-evolving item. Mm-hmm. Um, they were constantly brought up, I'd say, three, four times throughout the actual two-year time period. Hey, significant things have changed. Let's update this. Mm. Um, initially, Howard wasn't even on that list. Had no reason to be on that list. If nothing else, Mike thought that RC would have a Howard on his list because of how furious RC was with Howard. And he did. He absolutely did. <laughs> I know. Um, so initially, he wasn't anywhere on my list. He, I had nothing to do with it. Didn't care. Didn't even think about it. Didn't want to. Now, in the back of his head, you know, it, the the Howard wasn't on there by name. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll stress. There we go. That's the difference. Howard was not on there by name. The after us getting out of par- paradynamic after us getting away from all of that and uh, into the first run um, with the museum heist where we had to find XYZ tomb and a couple other items, one of which Maggie um, that's where Michael wanted to start investigating 
or figuring out who had gotten, had orchestrated, if you will, the events that led to where he was. Um, and then it just happened that Howard was the runner directly responsible for messing with his lab. So, well, that's good enough for government work. He's on the list. Okay. So, did uh, Michael, the character, ever have any regrets? Or does he now? Um, did he have any regrets He that he let down players? They let down people. Um, that was a regret. He does not regret the Howard thing. I'm going to put that out there now. A lot of people <laughs> have actually private messaged me. Hey, why did you do this? Because I said I would. No regrets with Howard. Zero zip okay. zilch. Um, the, you know, now, do I now? Um, part of me, did, or should I say afterwards? Does he afterwards? He is where he is. I mean, he regrets a lot of what had happened in Chicago. Mm-hmm. He regrets having to leave the group originally to Chicago because he feels that if he was here, if he was here in in Seattle instead of in Chicago, that things might not have fallen apart, that Mary Sue might not have gotten involved with that gang mm-hmm. or uh, I can't remember his name. There you go. That's how much that is right there. Oh, you mean Valentine? There you go. That's the All right. I knew it had to do with some holiday I don't like. There you go. <laughs> um, no, and then no other real regrets. Okay. What I just said. Yeah. So, let's see. Mechanically speaking, um, how much karma did you end with? Where'd you spend it? Um, my karma, I ended up with like two points of karma left. Nice. How much did you have total? Karma and yen. I got to try to figure out how to read this thing. Give me a minute. <laughs> uh, let me see. 65, about 74, 75. Okay. If my math is right, about 74, 75. All right. What'd you mostly spend that on? Um. Oh, wait. No, I'm, now I'm missing a whole bunch. <laughs> 90. About ninety. Okay. Uh, what did I spend that on? Um, uh, a lot of my skills, uh, mm-hmm. my magic, my magic skills. I ended up spending it on um, a sensing, counter spell, uh, first aid, and magic casting, uh, arcana. Those were a lot of things that I put them in. Um, and then looking through this uh, spells, um, learning a lot of spells. I didn't realize just how bad they were. Some of the costs were. Um, and I'll be honest, I didn't even use four, five, six of the spells I actually had. I was going to say, do it. Um, power foci. I actually got power foci's. Oh, nice. The getting rid of, um, a negative quality. Yep. Getting rid of negative quality. One born every minute. That being the naivete. Oh, nice. I, cause if you remember, if people remember as they're listening through this, they may have to go back through and follow through with it, looking through the prologue and everything else. Anything Michael was told he would believe. He didn't have a reason to doubt them. 
They wouldn't lie to him. They're his friends. Why would they do that to him? There's no sense to that. Well, and then the Chicago thing came, and I can't really say he was naive anymore. So I ended up swapping that one out for the dependent. It made sense story-wise. Um, and then, yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six spells and the power bound focus. And then in, just improving my casting and my skill abilities. All right. Uh, how many, how many dice were you throwing at the end? Uh, for what? <laughs> spell casting. <laughs> 12, 13 dice. Okay. So not, not a whole huge amount, but a, mm. a respectable number. What uh, what about for your highest uh, skill and attribute set? Uh, my highest attribute. Uh, let's see. My highest attribute was my magic. My magic and my willpower, both sitting at six. Okay. Um, and my highest skill was uh, my uh, sensing and counterspelling. The, or arcana. Excuse me. Arcana and counterspelling. Both of those were sitting at 11. Um, Total. Okay. Nice. Total okay. Goal. And then I'd always end up taking a drug or two, and that would end up kicking up the total by another point or two. Okay. So if you could remake Michael, uh, what would you change about him? What would I change about him? Uh, okay. Some of the spells. Mm-hmm. Um, the spells I would change. Uh, I don't think I used two, three, three or four of them at all. Um, I would, I would mess around with some of the skills. Um, I don't know know if uh, a lot of people noticed, but Michael rarely, if ever, actually took stun. That's true. Roll for drain. I wouldn't. I'd like. I, I'd roll. Okay, yeah, I passed the drain test. That's just where the dice dice fell. So, I think I would have taken more risk in upping the force rating of the spells that I would use. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's a definite fact. Uh, some of the contacts, I would get more involved with some of the contacts too, because a lot of them were like, I got one, two, three, f- four contacts on here. I can count on one hand how many times I con- contacted them. And not only one hand, I could use half of that hand to reach out to them. Mm. That was kind of a my fault though. Instead of me saying, hey, I want to reach out to this guy. I didn't do that. We just, we worked within the group to figure all this stuff out. Right. Um, so I would change that. I would definitely change that. Um, and, you know, as much as I almost, almost hate to say it, I think I would give Michael more of an intimidation factor. His intimidation okay. skill was only throwing a total of three dice. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's an ugly some bitch. So that had, that had a lot to do with it. <laughs> and I only put <laughs> one point in it. Um, so I was throwing a total of three and I would, I would make him more of the, so the concept from Michael was what is the, one of the first rules in Shadowrun when you're in a group, always geek the mage. Mm hmm. <laughs> The mage is a troll? What? <laughs> How am I supposed to geek this? Exactly. So I would have I would have wanted or I wanted I should say I would have made it so that he was more the boogeyman under the bed that you just okay yeah no 
nope, I'm not, nope, not going near that guy. We can back off of that. But I didn't do that. Hmm. And I think that's something I would have changed. Okay. I know I was talking with Mary Sue uh, for, for doing this one-on-one last night, and she said that she was throwing a silly amount of intimidation dice is where a lot of her karma went throughout the game. So uh. it's <laughs> funny you mentioned that, that the, uh, the, the petite cheery elf is the scary one. Yeah, that's that. That was kind of the. I mean, looking at it, I, I kind of did laugh at it. The the petite scary elf was, or the petite little you know, purdy little elf was the one rolling intimidate and scaring, and the big ugly troll was the nice guy pushover. Yeah, <laughs> and then Chuck showed up and he became the nice guy pushover. But hey, there was a, there was a lot of nice guy pushovers, but when push yeah. came to shove, I mean, so that's where it counts. Y- yep, fact, fact. All right. So, um, well, again, thank you. This is uh, Michael was entertaining as hell. It was great doing uh, the Chicago episode. That was a lot of fun. And I'm glad you were 100% behind that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like I said, it was. It, I had an utter blast with it. It was when it first, when I was first approached with it, I was like, yeah, let's do this. I will be 100% on board with this. Um, and it, it, it evolved into what it was what it got turned into. So I was real happy with that. Yeah. So what is next for you? I know we are starting up call of Cthulhu and you are also in that campaign. Uh, I am, I am no longer playing the what nine foot tall troll. I'm now playing a, a, a five foot three scared human photo f- uh, f- <laughs> journalist. All right. So uh, tell us a little bit about him. Uh, well, he's, you know, he's, he's inquisitive. He got involved in, in photojournalism at one of the local newspapers, trying to process a little bit of the, you know, of what's going on, trying to make his way in, in New York. And, and then he, he ended up getting sent to where he gets sent to. And mm-hmm. he's like, I need to find my friend, but wait a minute. Why, why is there a piece of him here? <laughs> and then I find his camera and his camera's showing me all kinds of weird things. And yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, he's definitely not the, the upfront in your face. I'm going to intimidate you thing. So you guys got to take my voice and put a skew to it because he's an itty bitty guy. And well, I don't do high pitch voices. <laughs> well, there is that. Uh, so how are you liking uh, call of Cthulhu system so far? Um, it's a different system than what I'm used to. Um, I have never, ever, ever touched on Call of Cthulhu. Um, I've heard of it. I've known it. I just, huh, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's when me and Mary Sue originally sat down to generate Sam, um, it took me a little while to actually get into it because I was intimidated by, it. I mean, there's a lot to new, a lot of the new subject matter that's there that I just, I couldn't grasp the, the thought of rolling under a target number in order for it to be a success mm-hmm. um, is, was, was foreign to me. It still kind of is. I'm not going to lie. So when I roll those things on the roll 20 website and it says, extreme, 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 hard, hard, and fail, I'm like, uh, how do I read this again? 
<laughs> I don't get this. So I'll be whispering over to Mary Sue via Discord. Uh, help. <laughs> help. <laughs> what do I do? So I don't know which one I'm reading. So, but, um, but overall, I mean, I like the, I like the different aspect of it. Um, I love gaming in general. I really mm-hmm. do. So I love getting into it and being able to role play out and, and game out everything. Um, the, the fact that this is Cthulhu-esque and early, early in our time, time eras is just a, a, a pleasant bonus for me. Nice. All right. So, uh, what other systems have you played? I know you've got Shadowrun. Now you have COC. Um, Shadowrun, COC, long time Dungeons and Dragons. I'm talking, yes, early 80s Dungeons and Dragons. I have nice. played the original first edition. Nice. All right. Um, Champions, Palladium, Robotech, Mech Warrior, Battletech, um, the original Marvel from the 1980s that the phase rip system, if everybody knows what that is, that is, that was one of my favorite after Dungeons and Dragons. Um, the Pathfinder system, um, bop, 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 bop. sword and sorcery, um, Star Wars. So there's a couple different versions of Star Wars. You have the new version of Star Wars that's happening right now. Before this, Star Wars had another system that was similar to what Shadowrun is now. That's a bunch of D6s, and you throw them at them, and you hope you get a 6. Oh, yeah, West End Games version. Yes. So I've played both of those versions. That that, that was a thing. Um, there was a game, Wild Wild West, that <laughs> I, I had gotten involved in. Um, and, I, yeah, that's pretty much it, role-playing game-wise. All right. So, uh, if you could play any game, what would you play? In what aspect? Oh, that's a loaded question. That, sir, is a loaded question. And being military, I've learned never volunteer yourself again. So, I need clarification on that question, sir. All right. So, I will ask this in multiple parts. No, so, uh-huh. <laughs> so, if you were to run a game. No recording, just you and some friends. What would you run? Um, or to, would you? To, to, oh yeah, I would. I've I've been a DM for God, uh, yeah, long time. Okay. Um, there's two games I would run. Uh, one, I would run a five E version of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I actually do run a five E version of Dungeons and Dragons at my house, and uh, it's literally us getting around and. All the shenanigans happen, and you know what? They're going to happen, but that's why we reserve an entire day for doing this. And uh, something that I haven't played for a very long time, that'd be the Marvel phase rip system. I would run a modern version of that, keeping up with all the modern comics and all the things that are happening in it, and just go to town, hand people a set of 2D10, and say, these are the only dice you're ever going to need. Okay. So, if you could play anything else and it wasn't for the show, what would it be? Legitimately? Hmm? Anything. Aha. I, for me, the aspect of role-playing that I enjoy, okay, because this is where it becomes a trick. Hmm. You get those guys that are rule lawyers. Everybody knows them. Everybody hates them. (laughs) 
you get those aspects of the guys that are the gamer geeks that just want to get together and munchkinize everything. They want to try to do the min-max. They want to try to do the the bizarre combinations. The I'm going to make a tiefling rogue that's lawful good. What are you going to steal? The lint out of people's belly button. <laughs> I don't care. I'm doing it. Okay, cool. Go ahead. You do you, boo-boo. Um, but for me, the, the, the real thing that just gets me going, that makes me want to game, is the getting together with friends or people that you consider friends. And just sitting around the table and having fun with it, sitting there and interacting with each other, like what me and you are doing. Mm -hmm. I would be ecstatic to sit there and play in a game with you, much what I'm doing with the Call of Cthulhu. That's true. I have, I enjoy doing that. I will make time out of my day to just sit down. Yeah, I'm going to be staring at a computer screen, but I'm talking to a bunch of people and we're just having fun. If you can't have fun in the game, why are you playing? Absolutely. You and that's where it would really come into play. I mean, there, yeah, there's the concept of, oh, it's new and it's intimidating and, ha, huh, okay, it's new. That means you all need to learn it and you're all going to discover something new about it at the same time. That brings the wonder back to the table that so many people are missing out on nowadays. All right. Don't have that wonder anymore. But then again, there's the, the favored, the, the Dungeon and Dragons, the Pathfinder. Those are the two mainstream ones. The, the Mech Warrior, which a friend of mine runs. And then there's the Marvel and the, these are your go-tos that you know, almost like the back of your hand. You got, 50 million source books from it. And by God, you know, just about all of them. You all sit down to play that. And that brings that sense of nostalgia that, that builds upon the stories that you will remember as an adult, as a person later on down the road. I still got a binder, a three ring binder that is about 60 pages deep of just characters that I've played, run and killed. Yes, I killed them. I made the choice. <laughs> Good or bad, it was my fault. <laughs> that I can just flip through and say, oh yeah, this is this guy and he did that. And he was famous for that. And then this was this guy for this campaign where, yeah, we found out what happens when you bring alcohol into a party like that. And it's just, that's what I go for. That personally, that that's what drives me as a player. Awesome. All right. So what would you like to see played for the podcast? Um, okay. What would I like to see played for the podcast? The, I would like to see the aliens happen. Oh, the aliens is going to happen. Yeah. I'm just hoping I can be there for it. Oh, well, we're going <laughs> to try very hard to make sure you are. Yeah. Uh, uh, Uncle Sam says, here's my monkey wrench. Hold it. <laughs> we'll see what um, the, you know, the, uh, I think you, uh, we were talking about the, the mech style game that's coming out. Oh, Lancer. La Lancer. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Lancer. I'd like to see that played. Okay. Uh, I'm already seeing the Call of Cthulhu played, so that's a new experience that I've wanted to be able to put a notch in my belt on. Um, that I'm I'm happy to do. Uh and a part of me honestly wants to see 
a it's a hard concept, but it's a living D and D five E. Okay. Living D and D five E, meaning we pull other players from the community to act out as NPCs, as events or quest givers working in conjunction with whoever the DM is at the time. Hmm. Okay. Just a thought, but that is, you know, I'm mental, so it's okay. That's, uh, we all are. That would, that would be interesting. That would be, I mean, it is, it is different from the LCs that I know of in which it's just, you know, it's shouter run. It's, it's a quest hub for people. So they're able to grab, grab other runners and, and go on their jobs. But doing, doing that kind of, uh, podcast LC is, that's heavy, man. Think about it. The amount of fun you could have with that. Okay. You don't have a description. Hold on. Let me grab random cast member. Describe this for me. Nice. Random cast member. Hey, what kind of quests do you have that our friends need to go and find? Obviously, you'd have to give them some sort of warning ahead of time so that they could. Not all of us can just come up with something on the fly. Right. Some of us need that preparation time. Yeah, you never know. I just think that'd be interesting. Oh man, that would be. So I will, and and I think you and I will tag team him, but uh, <laughs> we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll sideline Bams with this later. I'm pretty sure I could also get Chuck and Mary Sue in on this. So probably, probably, I think, and I, I, I I think RC would get in on it as well. I think so too, because he's running a D and D five campaign face to face. So I think being having that ability to kind of cycle people cycle GMs for the podcast in the same world and grabbing other people. That would be awesome. That is, that is absolutely something we should bring up. Bamps tried it in, if you, even in the, in the, in the community or in the, uh, the discord channel, in the community, there is a, or was, I don't see it much anymore. I could be off my rocker. No, you're not. There was, there was a channel that, that was dedicated to people just coming in and describing something and walking in and describing things gone now. Yeah. Well, it wasn't seeing a lot of use and I think it was yep. before it's time. Yeah. It died. It died off quick. Unfortunately, mm. unfortunately, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, that would be, that would be killer. Hmm. All right. So, I think if you were to run a game for the podcast, it would probably be along those lines then, yeah? I wouldn't be opposed to it. It would just be uh, one of the reasons that I haven't volunteered to run a game is the nature of my job. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, if you were doing one-off adventures, that would make it a lot easier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well... Looks like as I'm looking at the clock, we are about out of time. Um, I do have one last question, and I asked Mary Sue this kind of question. So what advice would you have now that you've played in without a net Shadowrun? You're playing with it in without a net COC. So you're you you are a player with decades of experience. <laughs> So what advice do you have for somebody who is trying to get into the actual play podcasting business? Wow. Actual play podcasting business. Um, one, find a group of people that you get along with. I didn't say agree with. I said get along with. Mm-hmm. 
there are things that I don't agree with that people do. There are others, but, but it doesn't matter what I agree with. I get along with these people. I enjoy finding these people. When you have a group, when you find a group that you click with, that it just, you look and you're like, yeah, I can game with them. Boom. And it's there and you guys all just jive and it's, it's, it's seamless. It, it removes the stress from your life. Once you have that group together, you're going to have that dynamic where everybody accuses you of having things planned out. <laughs> and no, we never had any of it planned out. It just kind of fell that way. But we all had fun with it. So, I mean, and that kind of just, that goes to the, that, that speaks to the, 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 the chemistry. There we go. That's the word chemistry yeah. that everybody just picked up on and we had it and it was there. And in having that chemistry, we were able to produce a product that led people to smile, led people to cry, to lead people to laugh and to lead people screaming. What the, <laughs> you can finish it out. Absolutely. That I think is your first step in finding a road to a, a, a good podcast. I mean, in the end, it's a, it's a road to finding just a, a good game period. Uh, yes and no, because you can have a bad game, a game that people are, are, are start to just not like, but that chemistry with those people can pull that game through regardless okay. of what happens. They can, they can pull that game through. Y'all can make something out of it. Hmm. Good advice. Good gaming advice. I dig it. All right. So this has been a uh, behind the veil interview with uh, with Michael, the troll mage and the five foot three photographer, Sam and the Call of Cthulhu game. Look forward to that. We'll be starting to release episodes later in October. Uh, Mike, do you have uh, any final words for the listeners? Uh, you know, just thank you guys for listening. It's been a pleasure to be able to sit here and literally put all this stuff together for the guys that actually guys and girls that actually sit down and listen to this. You are the reason that we do this. Excellent words. I'm a fan. All right. So this is Oz. I'll be signing off and we will catch you later. I know I still have interviews with Boz, RC and Chuck. Look for those later in, uh, in the month and the, during the release schedule. So say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Nice.